some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thank you for joining me again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you this week from Houston, Texas, where I'm here doing some consulting work for a client. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work, and it's really designed to help organizations do the same for their employees. It's something that I've been doing in terms of my research and meaning and work and identity, and it's a complement to what I do in terms of my work at Insignium, which is a global management consulting company. I'll get to the program in just a second, but let me give a big shout out to my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. If you don't know them, they're the leading locally focused job board in the nation, and they're dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard while getting job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. Thanks, Jobbing.com. For this week's conversation with me is Brian Williams, who is the founder and CEO of Perspectivity International, which focuses on teaching the power of effective communication and influential business presentations. He is the author of a newly published book called The Ultimate Sales Messaging System. We'll be talking about his background and why his life story fulfills his life purpose, how perspectivity delivers on its promise to designing and delivering effective communication, and then a tip maybe from his six-step system he created to change the communication culture of a company. Brian joins us today from Dallas, Texas. Brian, it's great to have you with me. Welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you very much. Always uh, great to talk and to share. I'm a professional speaker, so I look forward to these events. I know, and I have to just quickly say before we get into the, the, the questions I want to ask you that for you listeners to understand, I, I met Brian a few years ago when he was speaking at an event, and I was so captivated with him that I stalked him on LinkedIn and basically made him uh, let me let him coach me on my own presentation and communication skills. And he was at first wondering, who is this crazy woman stalking me? But it was because I was so taken with you, Brian. So glad we stayed in touch over all these years and glad to have you with me today. Absolutely. Always great to work with you. <clears throat> Will you start by helping us understand, of course, I know what you do at Perspectivity, but my listeners don't. So would you say a little bit about, about your company and what your firm offers? So we basically use the power of communication to help businesses grow their revenue. And we do that in two ways. One, we use sales presentations or business presentations to do that. We created a six-step framework or a six-step system that helps you design and deliver those messages. Most people, the number one fear in the country is public speaking, and most people do not have a professional sales training or professional sales background. So we took two of the most complicated things in business, public speaking and sales, and we created a six-step system to, you know, take the difficulty and complexity out of that process. And secondly, my wife is also full-time in the business, and she works on all the thinking and behavioral traits in helping teams be more productive in how they communicate and work with each other. So uh, between those two, we go in and uh, change the communication culture of a company to increase productivity internally and to increase revenue externally. 
Wow, wonderful. Very crisp, of course, as I know you to be. Um, so I think it's probably important for our listeners to understand a little bit about your background, too. I know it because I know of you from our time spending coaching time together and getting to know each other that way and being in your workshops. But would you just kind of give us a sketch, if you will, Brian, of your your past before you founded Perspectivity? Um, so it, it was a kind of an interesting start. I, they, I was initially labeled um, mentally retarded when I first went to school, right? So, you know, you would think that that would deter or warp a young man's future, but for some reason, I don't know why, but for some reason, I just never, ever once believed that that was who I was or that was my reality. And part of it was they actually, I was actually in class, right, with, it was called LLD, which stood for like low learning disability or lower learning disabled or something like that. And I was in this class and there were kids that I knew really were having some challenges and I just said, I don't think that's me. Um, but that's where I was. That's where I ended up and that's what the class I would go to and those, you know, became my friends initially and uh, and it was tough, right, because the rest of the kids, so I'm first grade, right, and the, the kids used to say we were little lost dummies. That's what LLD stood, stood for for them. And so that was my nickname when I first got to school. And to make it worse, they had set up these, they were like mobile homes, but that was our classroom. And it was like you had to, as you're going toward the main building, you turn to the left and the mobile home was off to the left. And that's where we went to class. And then all the quote unquote normal kids went to the main building. So it was just like this walk of shame you had to take while these kids are calling you LLD. And you, but that became that was my reality, right? That's what it was, and you know, it's like, well, this is what they tell me I'm supposed to be. I'm like six, right? I don't know much more to say. In fact, I was told as I got older that I didn't speak uh, a lot or at all when I was at school, and so that was another reason why they thought <clears throat> that you know maybe something is wrong with this kid. So. Anyway, long story short, the, 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 the way that ended, the transition was there was this, this lady, she's a black teacher, and her name was Miss White, right, the irony in that. And she had this, I don't know why, but I just remember this perfectly shaped afro. She would, I was always intrigued, like, how does she keep it, like, so perfectly round all the time? Like, it's a rainstorm outside, and she walks in, like, this perfectly spherically shaped fro. And anyway, one day she comes in and just says, you know, I, I just, I don't think he's supposed to be in here, you know? And that was it. Like a day later, you know, I was taken out of the class and, you know, by the time I was in the second grade, they said, I think he should be, they sent a letter home to my mom saying, I think he should be in the fourth. He's at a fourth grade level in all these categories and third grade is going to bore him. So, uh, why waste time with the third grade? I don't know why, but my mom didn't agree to do that. I don't know what the, I never asked actually, but, um, so long after that, you know, uh, did pretty well in high school, got a full academic scholarship to Texas A&M, studied computer science, started working in technology field for 20 years in Silicon Valley, primarily in about 12 other countries. I did some short stints, uh, along the way and had always been intrigued by technology. But what I recognized is that 
I was around really, really smart people, great products, brilliant technology, but they didn't really communicate very well, either emotionally connect, they struggled to connect with other people, and when they would communicate, it would be either too technical, you could tell they were very uncomfortable, or it wasn't very clear, and regardless of the country that I went to or the company, I saw this problem just, it was just pervasive everywhere, and so I saw that as an opportunity. So when I left corporate, after 20-plus years of being there, I decided to launch this business that uh, that my wife and I run now. And you just stopped like that on a dime, like, oh, and it's just as simple as it was. I have to acknowledge that early part of your story, Brian, because I do think that Paula makes, makes you so much of who you are. And I think about that as really a, an example of really resilience and grit, right? I mean... Mm-hmm. Who knows what would have happened to you if that teacher hadn't interceded in your life, hadn't right. said, you shouldn't be here. Have you ever thought about that? That's a good question. You know, I, it, to me, you know, I'm a, I'm a man of faith, and I believe that God has played a role in my life, and that was definitely a role she, she was used in that way. Because it makes no sense to me now, right, why that happened. But you're right, I think... There are times in life where, you know, people, you know, we have these detours and it can send you on a trajectory and you just end up staying on that trajectory for a really long time. She, whatever it was that she saw, I'm very appreciative, which is why I remember her name. I can see her face. I can see the fro. I mean, I'm, you know, as old as I am, I could totally, like, see, you know, her and and remember the day when she came in. And I don't remember anything other, you know, more than that, but definitely the day she came in, and I have no idea, you know, where I'd be, because my mom says that, you know, she knew that I wasn't, and she wasn't going to let that play out, but what I didn't share <laughs> was when I when I first got to school, they opened the door, and I just took off running. I mean, like, full-blown sprint, and I was crying, and I didn't want to go to school, and I'm talking, this went on for, like, an hour, right? They called my mom and my grandmother up there to calm me down and not calm down for like 30 seconds and then boom, I, and I do remember running out of the bathroom and jumped. This was back when you got spankings, right? Mom took me to the restroom, gave me a spanking, I ran out of there and so they went, okay, this boy is crazy. <laughs> so they said, we need to get him some help. So my mom thought that they would, that being in that environment would just kind of help calm me down and the lady, the teacher who taught the, you know, at the time, I don't know what the term is now, but it was, let's say, LLD kids. She was known to be very patient, right, and very calming, and so they thought that would help. But I remember being in there for a little while, like maybe, I say three weeks, mom says three days. <laughs> so I don't know how long it actually was, but it was a long time. It was long enough for me to remember all these things, right? So I'm very grateful that she did walk in and, and say what she said because, you know, what happens, right, by the time I'm in the second grade, they're saying, okay, he should be to the fourth. I graduate, what, ninth in my class in high school and then get a full ride to NM. And so, you know, obviously someone was missing something somewhere. Uh, and I'm grateful that she was the one who came in and went, nope, this isn't right. I think we need to change it. Talk about a false label. 
Well, well, let's. I, I got to. I, I got to have you tell the story, Brian, because I know it, and I know how important it is to who you are as a human being today. Let's let's jump forward into your adult life. You, you have a very compelling story about competing on the global stage for Toastmasters. Tell us about that story. I had um, at one point I thought you know it'd be cool to be number one in the world in something, and so you know I always love speaking. A lady by the name of Miss McClendon in the eighth grade pulled me and said, young man, listen, you're different, and I want to prove to you that you are. I want you to do this uh, speech on some, I don't know what the date the event was, but it was the, the creation speech, right? It was like from Genesis in the Bible, how God created the earth, and, and she asked me to do it, and of course, I wanted nothing at all, at all to do with that, and so I did it, and I said, wow, that was magical. I mean, People jumped to their feet and everyone was clapping. I said, I've never experienced anything like that before. And so from that moment on, I thought that was pretty cool. And that that impression never left me. So I've always wanted to be a speaker since then. And so that culminated in wanting to be the best in the world, which is why I pursued the World Championship of Public Speaking for Toastmasters. And I would... Uh, you know, you have to compete for, I don't know, a few months, and each level you win, you go to the next level. So I made it all the way to the world semifinals, and it was a great run. I had phenomenal coaches, and it was a lot of work, right? Because what you don't see is that you have to continue going to different uh, Toastmasters clubs to try out your speech, and they give you feedback, and you go again. And I was driving. I was in in in. California and San Jose at the time, I was driving as far as north of San Francisco just to do a talk for a club and get feedback. Because I was just running out of clubs to go to. There's only so many, right? And I was hitting up most of them. So I would drive like an hour plus away, do this talk. You know, keep in mind, seven minutes is max. That's the speech in a competition, right? Seven minutes, 30 seconds, you disqualify. So I'm driving like an hour and a half to give a seven-minute speech <laughs> You get some feedback, you know, shake some hands and turn around and drive all the way back home. But that's what's required to go to the next level. Uh, I was also studying. I got like four or five DVDs of the previous world championships. And so I'm because some of these people, you know, the, the ones that don't win continue to come back. So I was studying them and watching and just really kind of picking their messages and their styles apart. I was studying the rule book and I was quite confident that I could totally take the world championship only because of how much work I had put in and how I had studied my competition. And I got a call one day. I still remember where I was standing when I got the call. Uh, and they said, uh, Hey Brian, you know, we give you a call and let you know that, um, you've been disqualified. And I said, what? I had no idea what had happened. And obviously I was thrown off, frustrated. I fought it and made, phone call after phone call, um, they said that my membership had lapsed, which membership, I don't know, it was like, what, 30, 40 bucks a year or something like that, and I totally, you know, paid it and turned it into our chapter president, and they collect all, everything, and turn it into international headquarters, and, you know, apparently mine didn't make it in for some reason, but I was pleading my case saying, but I turned mine in. They said they didn't have it. You lapsed like, it was like four months previously. 
and if you're when you get to that level in the competition, you can't have any lapse in your membership, and I did, and that warranted my disqualification. And so, I called the international headquarters and talked to the whatever her title is, president, whatever, and she said, uh, "No, I'm sorry, but you know it's unfair to the other contestants." And I said, "There must be a mistake. I mean, this." Has this ever happened in the history? I think the organization is like 70 years old or whatever it was at the time. And I said, has this ever happened ever before in history? She says, no, we've never had anyone make it to this level and get disqualified. And I said, well, there must be a mistake. And they said, no, there's no mistake. Uh, congratulations for making it to this level, but it's over. And that was it. And it was very frustrating. We had people quit the organization. Some people, uh, you know, in protest because you know, as you win each level, you then gain support of all of those people you competed against and all the different clubs. You know, I've spoken at all these different clubs, so they're all like texting and like, I can't believe they did that. You know, we're going to call them tomorrow. All these kind of things, but. It was a great ride. I learned an enormous amount, and a lot of what I learned has made it into the company that I run today. Like a lot of those skills and practicing tips and things like that that I learned, I, I'm able to employ in the business today. But what what ended up happening was the guy who, who was supposed to turn all these envelopes in, um, he apparently, two or three, he mishandled. They fell between his seat. And he didn't find out till like, I don't know, a month or two later or whatever. And he just thought, oh, big deal. He picked them up, dropped them in the you know, mailbox. And one of them was mine, and that's how it was, uh, that's how I got disqualified. And it's a bit ironic, the story. And um, I want to I pick that up here when we come back from the break. But already, if you believe it, we've already um, gone through our first segment. It is time for a break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Brian Williams, who is the founder and CEO of Perspectivity International, which focuses on teaching the power of effective communication and influential business presentations. We've been talking a bit about his early start and maybe unlikely entry into the field of communication. After the break, we're going to hear more about what he actually does to help his clients. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are you in your own driver's seat? Tune in to a program that will get you there based on what others have managed to do through challenges in their lives and how they persevered. Tune in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. On our show, we use real issues and experts to help you reclaim your life. 
Danielle and her guests are here to steer you in the right direction. Make sure that you are here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's time to harness your power. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Brian Williams, who is the founder and CEO of Perspectivity, which is focused on the principle of giving people exceptional value by providing quality education, experiential learning, and a systematic approach to designing and delivering communication. He is the author of a new book called The Ultimate Sales Messaging System, which is actually out in the marketplace now. He joins us today from Dallas, Texas. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So just before the break, Brian, I wanted to ask you one last question that was tying into your your early background. And you know I can't resist because I am a meaning and work researcher and I am somebody who absolutely loves life story. Um, I have heard you say that you believe your life story fulfills your life purpose. What do you mean by that? Well, I think if you tie in, oh, here I can answer that in this way. The question is, Is was the child you were be proud of the adult you've become? Mm. And for me, that would be true. The child that I was would be proud of the adult that I've become because it all happened in the eighth grade. I don't know how everything happened in the eighth grade, but in the eighth grade is when uh, Miss McClendon asked me to do the speech, and I found out like that was phenomenal. I really want to impact people that way. I, what that taught me was the power of communication. That was the lesson that I learned from that. Okay, I was thinking I just talked to these people, right? For like I don't know how long it was—five, ten minutes, or whatever—but just talking to people, I didn't give them anything. There was no no currency exchange, right? I didn't take them anywhere. I just talked to them, but just the power of communication was so inspiring that they stood on their feet and applauded and, you know, so many people giving you such kind words afterwards. And that was that was where the speaking thing, I think, took off, was I wanted to use my voice to influence and impact people's lives. And then secondly was at the same time, that same year, I was in this it was like this basic computer class, and I'm reading in the book, and it has, I remember this one page, right, where it had these robots and all these computers, and it just said that, you know, somewhere in the future, I don't remember the year, computers are going to take over the world, right? They're going to be everywhere, and the whole world's going to be run by computers, and I thought, that sounds like a pretty good team to be on, right? I want to be a part of a world takeover. I'm in eighth grade. And I just thought that would be so cool to be part of something like that. So I said, you know what? And I was fascinated by computers. And so that kind of, that's where that started. And so way back then in the eighth grade, I mean, I didn't know it at the time. I didn't, couldn't piece it all together. But I just remember those two experiences that year 
where I was so hooked by communication and technology. And so today, right, as you know, I've you know, got a computer science degree and worked in technology, and our clients today primarily are technology companies, right? We work with AT&T and Cisco and startups and, you know, companies that are developing mobile apps. And, they, and we work with other uh, industries as well, but we, we tend to target tech companies because they usually struggle more than most. And that's my background, so I really understand their world. And so, yes, the, the, those two experiences led to a love of speaking and a love of technology, and those two have been blended today to, you know, uh, uh, I blended those two today in the company that I run and working with technology companies to help them communicate better. The other part of that would be one thing that I haven't really done as much as I would like to do, and that's public uh, keynote speeches and motivational speeches. That's something that I'm going to focus more on for 2017, but that will kind of finish out, I think, that, you know, that calling, I believe. Well, I can attest to your ability to do a keynote because that is how how I experienced you when I first met you. To me, that's what you were doing as keynoting as you opened the ceremonies for the graduation. So I applaud that effort, and I know you're you're going to do great at that. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm a fan. Uh, i got to chime into something you said as well, Brian. You said you, your interest in getting into technology and taking over the world kind of thing. You reminded me that years ago when I was looking for my research project for my Ph.D. and working with information technology professionals, I was very intrigued with them and their minds and what they were doing. And so I wanted to know where they were in their work. And I asked one man that I worked with, his name was Brett, what his work meant to who he was as a human being. And he said... I got into the field of information technology because I thought it would have the second greatest impact on mankind, second only to fire. Mm. And I thought, wow, if that's what you walk into work with, that's the wind behind your sails, that's pretty cool. That's what came to my mind when you were talking about changing the world kind of thing. So, Mm. you know, really powerful stuff when you think about how that informs your sense of self and how you go about your work. So just really cool. Mm. Yeah. Now, this might be another another thing, another way that you we just talked about this, but you and I had had a conversation about this too, and you said something, this phrase of something like, who I am is what I do. Mm-hmm. Pretty much what you were just describing before? Yeah, you know, I was at this conference in, oh, it doesn't matter where I was, but it, it in the, at the conference, they the guy, the facilitator put some, is these like let's say twelve round tables with like six chairs at each one, and there was this pile of papers in the middle of the table and crayon. And he said, "Okay, I need you guys to draw, right?" And we're like, "Draw what?" He said, "I don't know, draw." And so we're just like doodling, doing whatever. And anyway, he he has this thing, and so he he talked about how when we were kids, this is what we did, and you know, and then he had this exercise on the other side, and he said. When you were a kid, what you would have, what is it? What would you have drawn if you were a child? And I ended up drawing, kind of retelling this story that I just shared with you, but I did it with crayon, right? And it was a kid at a computer, and it was a kid on stage with a microphone, right? And so, yes, th- those two have have been a part of who who I am. I mean, that's that's I believe that's why God put me here was for those two, and honestly. 
I didn't really catch that until that day at the conference when he asked you to go all the way back as far as you can, right? You're a child. What do you want to be at that time? What did you say you wanted to be? And for me, it happened to stick. In fact, I, I had this, you know, when we moved recently, I had this foot locker and I was going through this, like really old stuff in there. And my mom had given us this, uh, my brother and sister and I, a, this little, I guess it's called like a memory book where you stuff like, you know, pictures of your friends. It goes from like first grade through 12th grade. And you put report cards and pictures of friends. It asks you this question, what was your pet's name and all this stuff. So anyway, I find this book, right? And I look at like my 11th, 12th grade year. And I found I had written in there like, it said, okay, you graduate this year. What do you want to do? What do you want to be? And I write in the book, like years and years ago, I want to go to Texas a I want a computer science degree. I want to meet my wife there and get married. I want to work at technology. I mean, it is like word for word, right? You talk about the power of goal setting. Now, I wrote that down. I haven't looked at it since. I just found it recently. But it really was like overwhelming almost to just look. I mean, I I grabbed the book and showed my wife and my kids. Like, God, look at this. This is unbelievable. I mean, I've forgotten about the thing. I didn't even know I still had it. So it's very much a part of who who I am and who I've become. And I think it was proven with when I found that, that book, right, with that's, I don't know, what was that, 1988 is when I wrote those things down. And, you know, they've, they've all but, I think I wrote like maybe six things down and four of them have become true. And yeah, it's amazing. I've, I've seen something similar. For, for, for you listeners to know what he just described, all those things are actually who Brian is today. In case you didn't catch that, what he just described that he wrote down is exactly what's come to pass. And it is amazing to me, Brian, when we do write things down and write our goals down, the power of that. Um, I'm not surprised that that's how it went for you, but I think it's a wonderful example. Thank you for sharing it. Sure. Um, can we talk a little bit about your book? I, of course, as you know, am a, an aspiring book writer. I've been working on my research for years and working on my book for, I guess, less time than that. But um You've recently published this thing, the, the Ultimate Sales Messaging System. So first, I want to understand why did you decide to, to actually write the book? And second, what is it you're trying to really convey? Um, I decided to write the book because some people felt like you're a more credible speaker, consultant, if you're an author. I didn't think that was true, but I said, you know, it'd be cool to write one anyway. <laughs> so... And I wanted to make it, uh, I had all these thoughts and ideas, and I had never put them all in one place in a formal fashion, right? So the book allows you to do that. Now, we wrote it because it it really encompasses what we do. It's a, it, the six steps are explained in detail. Uh, so if you, So the first three steps focus on how to design your message. And the last three steps focus on how to deliver that message. And that's where a lot of those Toastmaster skills are baked in. Um, and so we've done three things uh, in particular. One, we have intentionally kept it short, so like 150-something pages. Uh, actually, we reduced it. To, the, the latest edition is actually down to 140. So we were hyper because that's what we teach, right? We teach the messages that are clear, compelling, and concise. And so... We have to be a demonstration of what we teach. 
and it's very concise. It's to the point. We've trimmed the fat. It, we, it's in full color because we have lots of images and graphics because people, images stick faster to the brain than just text does. And, and that's what we've done is the, the, the whole system is based on two principles. One is adult learning behavior, how adults learn, and secondly, are adult buying behaviors, how do adults make buying decisions. And that psychology is pretty much baked into what we do. So a lot of the things that we do in the book are a reflection of those two principles. And so ultimately, if you you know, go through those six steps. Each step, you're actually building your message. So the first step, you know, you'll, there's an exercise you have to do, and then you use that to go to the next step, and then there's an exercise. And by the time you're done, basically, your message is designed and you've practiced on the delivery. So it's more of a working manual than it is just a, a book that you read. Okay, got it, got it. I can, that makes com- complete sense that you would create something like that, Brian, because... I do know you to be so everything that you do is designed with a purpose. There's a specific impact that you're, that you're trying to pull out or to trying to enact. And I, I really, it shows up in everything you do, your speaking, your, your, your workshops. It's really impressive how tight it is. Thank you. And you know, I have to say, I, I like learning in that way also, right? I, I like, I like to receive content that's, boiled down, simplified, uh, sharp to the point. And what, what we're learning is that that's what our clients want. We had one client that was really helpful in, in us seeing this more clearly. In fact, we used to have a, what was it, 56-page workbook, and we reduced that down to a six-page infographic. Wow. So you're talking about a massive reduction of content. It was so difficult to do because it was almost like, you know, giving one of my children up for a die. I mean, it was just so much to take out, but the result was so worth it. And, in fact, when people go through it now, you know, so there's six steps in the system, right? So we have a one-page infographic for each of the steps, and they're full-color and graphical and informational, and I teach from those six and people just get it, right? It's clear. They see the picture. They understand it. And, and the research shows, right, images are, I think the number's like 60 times more. It has 60 times more stickiness than just words or even text. So what we've done is we added the words, the text, and the images in the book and the infographic. And so, again, we studied how adults learn, and then we've we've you know, added that to how we deliver and how we put everything, right, from our website to our exercises to the book. We try to make sure we employ those principles in, in, in everything that we do. Well, it shows. Uh, that it, it, one of the things I remember being so taken with is, and we'll talk about this after we come back from our next break, which is coming up fairly soon, but we'll talk more about that, but was your emphasis on really getting yourself prepared for what is it you're trying to actually say? And I know that we talk a lot about, in your session, about how people tend to kind of want to just skip to the message and not really think about what it is they're trying to say and who is their audience. So I really feel that the way that you set up your work is so important. So I think it's amazing that you went from a 56-page document to a six-page graphic. And I can't imagine it was like giving up at least one of your poor children. <laughs> uh, exactly. It was tough. 
Um, can I, I want to ask one thing before we go on break. We've got maybe, I guess, about two and a half or so minutes before we go on break here, Brian. But I admire your your ability to build your business as well. You have been in business for four years, and you tell me that you've enjoyed 300% growth every year, which is remarkable. How can you explain this? That's a good question. And, you know, I, that wasn't a goal I'm just grateful that it happened. I didn't realize that I was like doing taxes or something. I was like, wow, that's, you know, and I saw the trend. And, um, I mean, I knew we were, we were growing, but I didn't know to what degree. And, you know, I think one, this is one principle I'll share that I hope your listeners can, can benefit from. And that is I am hyper-focused on differentiating myself from the competition, right? It is a very intentional focus that I have because I get bored easily personally. And I remember something my brother told me. I remember that we were at this hotel in the lobby eating, and he says, man, listen, whatever you do, do not launch a business if you, if you, unless you're going to bring something unique and credible to the marketplace. Because he says if you have nothing unique and you have nothing credible, you're just going to fall into a sea of nothingness. <laughs> right, because that's what everyone else is doing. There's no unique value proposition. So that kind of frustrated me, scared me, and then motivated me. And I've never forgotten that, and it has been a driving force in the business because we have become hyper-focused on if everyone else is doing it, we don't really have an interest in it. We're going to do it differently. And that's, you know, I'm kinda, we're all wired differently. I'm kind of wired a little bit as a risk-taker, and so... I've embraced that philosophy of just differentiation. And then outside of that, it's just been word of mouth, right? People just tell people they talk, and that's been a huge factor. I will say, although I'm grateful for that kind of growth, it as you, you know, we're year four, that gets, I mean, so you can know the numbers are climbing, right? So the triple, again, is, is tough, right? It's hard work to do that. And so we're now pushing more to an online presence because we can have more scale because today I have to be, everywhere what we do well both of us right so you physically have to be there so obviously that causes some limitations it does it does love to hear that thank you for that brian i think that really helps our listeners because many times when they when they're they're listening in they're also thinking about how they could do something different in their lives and the way they work so i had to pose that question about how you've gotten to where you have gotten because it's it really is impressive thank you mm-hmm. appreciate it you're welcome it is time for a break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Brian Williams, who is the founder and CEO of Perspectivity International, which focuses on teaching the power of effective communication and influential business presentations. After the break, we're going to be talking more in detail about the actual manner that he works with his clients, and he's going to share one step of the six-step process. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning Healthy Living Power Hour. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Brian Williams, who is the founder and CEO of Perspectivity International, which is focused on the principle of giving people exceptional value by providing quality education, experiential learning, and a systematic approach to designing and delivering communication. He is the author of a book called the Ultimate Sales Messaging System, which has just been released. And he joins us today from Dallas, Texas. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. From here, Brian, in what's left of our show, I really want to be able to share with our listeners how you specifically work with your clients and, and then, of course, impart one of your steps. I'd like to be able to give some kind of a, a nice takeaway um, for our listeners so they can put it to work right away. So um, I, want them, I know a little bit about this because I've been on the receiving end of this, but will you just kind of share with us how you actually do your work? Now, I know that it depends on whether you're doing one-on-one coaching, whether you're, you're doing more corporate work, but how do you actually work with your clients? So they usually come to us for one of three reasons. One, their sales message is not very clear. It's not getting the kind of engagement that they want. Uh, they could have like a standard company pitch or company presentation that they they or they don't have one and they want to create one or in some cases they've trained they've hired some training firm or consultant to come in and it didn't really work and so those are three reasons why we get a call and if we do we the first thing we do is we do an assessment on the people we're going to be working with um we want to understand so that's my wife's side of the business right she covers your it's a brain-based uh, assessment that tracks your thinking and behavioral traits. How do you think and how do you behave? And she kind of processes all of that and then translates it into a language that I understand so I know how to best engage with them. Right Now, she also can do her teamwork, compatibility, productivity piece. I use it to find out, okay, if this is their learning style, thinking style, 
I'm going to use these kinds of examples. I'm going to not use a lot of content here because it's, it's, it's for, for example, it, it could be overly technical. So I'm going to reduce the amount of technical content because they don't really like technical content. So we really and truly customize it based on the feedback that we get from those assessments. And then from there, we start going through the six-step process, right? So the first thing we do is we show them how to create an audience profile because most people begin their messaging with themselves, their product, their service, and that is just going to turn people off because the people are there to find out how you can help them. And that I, they don't care about your product or service unless they know that you care about helping them first. And so it's really key to empathize with the market that you're trying to reach, and that's what the audience profile does. And the easiest way to describe it would be creating an in-depth DNA or a LinkedIn profile, if you will, on your audience. I mean, picture how they think, what they do, where they went to school, what their likes, and having everything we can think of. We want to get hyper-focused on how that audience thinks because once we understand that, then we know how to craft our message. So you can't craft a message and hope that the audience is going to get it. That's old-school marketing, right? That's running an ad on a television program where 8 million people are watching, and you just say, you know what? We're going to at least hit 10% of them. But in today's market, the, the, the audience is much more savvy. They're much more educated. They've been on lots of websites. You can get free podcasts, free videos, free articles now, so they're well-educated. So you have to be hyper-focused on the audience and then build a message that truly resonates with that audience. And so that's the first of the six steps, and we, we're basically walking you through each of the steps. So we'll build the audience profile. Step two is a basic building block, which covers the structure of the message, and it's all based on human psychology, on how people uh, understand information, how they process information. So I, it's a lot to go into now, but basically, if you just use that tool, the end result would be a message that's structured according to how humans learn. And that's where a lot of people miss it, right? We're putting great content together, great information, but it violates the human learning process, and that's why people don't really get it and why they may not engage. The third step is content storyboard, where you structure the message sequentially. right? Should we say this point first because we haven't introduced it yet, and why would you say that last? Because that's more important. It should be here. And so we, we put the message in. The, the, the second step it creates the structure. The third step, content storyboard, creates the flow or the sequence of the message. And that completes the design of the message. Now, there are consultants and other people who actually, if you're going to you know, use PowerPoint or Pre, we use Prezi, we use Haiku, we use Bunker, we use emails, we use all these different tools. Some people need help with just email communication. Some people are just needing help with face-to-face communication. We have another client needing help with how, well, too, how they run their meetings. So it's all dealing with communication in various forms. So that's the design of the message. And once you've done that, we go into the delivery, which is uh, examine your uh, content. So once you've designed the content, we go back to the audience profile and say, okay, we've completed this message design. Now, Now that we're done, will it really resonate with this audience profile that we created? Really important step because 
uh, you know, we could have created the audience profile two weeks ago, two months ago, right? Depends on how fast they move and how large your organization is. And you may have to go back and make sure that this new message you design resonates with that audience. And then why is your practice, your preparation? What most people do not like to do, but that's where the magic happens, right? Is if you're going to be delivering this, we have to practice it. And I really learned this message pursuing the world championships. I, I would have a, a yellow sticky note with eyeballs drawn on them, and I would stick these sticky notes inside of my living room, and I would do that speech, and I'm pointing, and I'm getting fired up in the living room all by myself, and I'm looking at these eyes on these yellow sticky notes, and I'm doing it, and then I do it again. And then I, it's only seven minutes long, right? And I do it again. I do, And you'd be amazed, as with anything, how much better you get when you put that much practice into it. And I'm, on, I'm not only doing it in front of all these Toastmasters clubs, I'm doing it alone. And my test to myself was wake up in the morning, and as soon as your feet hit the ground, boom, you start the speech. And you don't stop, and you don't mess up, and you do it again the next day. And when you can do that a couple of days in a row, you're ready to roll. And I've done that so many times. I could, on a dime, and I've had this happen before where I'm telling this story, and the host who invited me or someone from the audience will say, can you do the speech right now? And boom, I can still go right into it. Probably not 95% sharp that like I used to do back in the day, but still in the high 80s maybe, right, because you just practice it so much and repetition is the mother of skill. And so practice is a really important step, and how you practice, intelligent practice I call it, is really what puts uh, you know, people on the next level. And then Z is zero in on the audience. That's step six, right? X, Y, Z, examine your content, your preparation. Z is zero in on your audience. And so we start with the audience in mind. We end with the audience in mind. And that's basically that last step is saying, okay, you've designed it and you've delivered it. Now go back again to the audience profile and make sure does the design and the delivery both resonate with the audience? It's so important to do that. And when you follow that, those steps and you're that hyper-focused on the audience, it's, a, it's an absolute game-changer in how they resonate, how they respond, and how they would engage with you when they know that they're the hero of your story. Oh, I never tire of listening to you tell that, Brian. I just never tire of it. It's wonderful. Really impressive system and incredibly well thought out, and, and it works. And I love, I'm love. i glad that you were able to go through the whole list for, for our listeners today. That was a nice gift for them. Um, I was going to ask you something related to that. Let me get to it just a second. It just escaped me as I was listening to you just rattle that off. The velvetness of your voice, what can I say? Well, <laughs> I, I, I said one thing that would be helpful is you helped us understand what it is you actually do with your clients. Now, can you give us maybe one example of work you've done with clients that maybe showed that the results? Um, there's a few. One of my, my favorites, because they had like a really dramatic, you know, change because they, b- before they worked with us, I found out later that they... They had literally, like, it was just not working. So it's, it's a private equity firm, downtown Dallas, and they do these really high-end dinners uh, in these really nice places because, you know, all of their, you know, their prospects or clients are all multimillionaires. And so they, you know, they, they're, they're, they invest in these startup companies. And so anyway, they were doing these high, they started doing these dinners and they would have this pitch at the dinner and he said, not only are people not 
investing and signing up, they don't even get it because they had this. They the, the company left these large, um, you know, PE firms and banks because they didn't like the way that they did business, and they started this their own company. They said we're going to do things differently, which was really compelling. They just struggled to communicate it because they were way too analytical and technical, and they were losing people. So anyway, we start working together, and we kind of go through the process that I just talked about. And they have their now, and to their credit, the guy, the president, he's he's pretty good on stage. I mean, this guy's. I mean, we did lots of practice, but he he did bring some skills to the table. And I remember the first dinner that they had. They had two people sign up, and you they have a minimum of fifty thousand dollars to get into their fund, right? And so they sign up two people the first dinner that they have. They sign up someone else the next dinner that they have. And I didn't find this out until much later because he was doing a video testimonial for us, and he was explaining all this. And I, I, mean, I never, I didn't know. I mean, I knew they were doing well, but he basically said that every dinner that they did, they had someone sign up. He said, and we didn't have someone like six people sign up every time because we have a pretty high, you know, barrier to entry, but we did have at least one or more persons sign up. And and it just really kind of spoke to the power of, you know, clear, compelling, and concise communication because notice, they never changed their product or their service. It was the exact same. They just communicated it in a much more clear and compelling way. And then the people went, I get it. That, that, I understand. And not only do I understand, I'm totally ready to you know, engage with you and even invest in, in, in your fund because it makes so much sense to me. And um, so anyway, we, we continue to, and they're great friends now, and you know, we continue to do work together. But that, that is my favorite story because they, they were just struggling and they had a really, I even like the product that they have. It's a really cool, very innovative investment product that they have. And it basically just capitalizes on what all the major banks can't do. They just, they just can't offer the, that type of service. And so it was hard for him to educate his market on who they are and how they work because the market understands how the big banks work. Right, so when you have a, and, and that's where a lot of startups struggle with. I do a lot of work with SMU and their annual pitch competition, and some VCs in the community. And one thing I notice is that these startups have these cool apps and great technology. But think about, it, no one's ever heard of it before. So now you've been working on it night and day, fifteen hours a day. You understand it intimately, and so they stand up and just start talking about it, and the people are going. Okay, I kind of get it, but what is he talking about? Or what is she talking about? And they just don't engage. And they and this private equity firm was basically going through the exact same thing until. And it's funny because when I talked to them afterwards, they said we really had to just slow down and just back up our truck and just kind of take a look. And so when I go in hey, and Brian. work with companies, you know, we're running out of time. So we've got about twenty seconds left. I want to make sure we know how to find you. Sorry, we. We got going on a great path, but um, we're out of time. Brian Williams, you have been amazing to have on the show. Thank you for joining us from Perspectivity. Check out their website. It's Perspectivity International. So it's P-E-R-S-P-E-C-T-I-V-I-T-Y-I-N-T-L.com. Brian, thanks for joining us today. Great to have you. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. 
hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. We'll be right back. 